If you turn in your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians 3, the first four verses, and a, a message that I've entitled, How Committed Are You? It's Super Bowl Sunday, amen? Uh, the only super things happening will be right here. Um, I, I, you know, who wants to listen to Lady Gaga? Her last name should be Goo Goo, and then she'd be Gaga Goo Goo or something, you know. I learned in Filipino that Gaga actually means foolish. Uh, I, I got told that after first service, so I'm, I'm thinking, well, that kind of fits. But it's Super Bowl Sunday, and so I'm going to use a metaphor today, uh, as, as many of us will uh, no doubt at least watch part of the game if you're coming back tonight as we continue in the book of Acts But this picture that's painted here is one of exactly what we would find in any sporting endeavor, especially, uh, I I can tell you that both the Patriots and the Atlanta uh, Falcons didn't get where they are overnight. Uh, They didn't wake up one morning and all of a sudden they were Super Bowl contenders. They put time, they put effort, they put energy into being great. Uh, Those two great quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, didn't get the way they are you know, by watching YouTube videos. Amen? There was a lot of effort. There was commitment that was made to that endeavor of becoming great. And for us as the body of Christ, we have been called into the marvelous light. We have been called into this wonderful endeavor called kingdom living. And more importantly, we are striving for a prize that is not perishable, The Lombardi Trophy, as wonderful as it may look on your mantle for a while, one day is going to turn to dust, amen? Uh, But not so much if you're investing in heavenly things, in kingdom things. If you are gospel-oriented, you are actually doing something, endeavoring to be part of a team that one day is going to be the only team. The king from heaven will come to receive us uh, to his own. And so, how committed are you? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that it has to transform and change us. And we pray uh, that as we study it, Lord, we would be transformed into the image of Jesus. Lord, you take that commitment which we have made to you and you would use it for the growth of your kingdom. Lord, we desire to, to see your kingdom come and your will be done. And so, Lord, we pray that where we need extra work, extra training, Lord, where we need to go through a few more drills, that God, you would help us to do that. And so, Lord, we bless you for blessing us with your presence here. Pray that you would instruct us now through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look back first two verses that we saw last week in our introduction to this. And it says, therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. And so Paul took the hard road, as we saw last time. He sends Timothy, his chief understudy, his most valuable weapon, if you will, uh, his franchise player, if you will, uh, the number one star on Paul's team, this part of the gospel team, and he sends him back to Thessalonica to minister, and he stays in Athens alone. And I said, Timothy, our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you, to encourage you concerning your faith. And so it becomes very clear that there is a team picture here. And that team is a gospel team. That team has purpose. 
That team has goals. That team has a plan. It's got a playbook. And the Apostle Paul is now going to give us some encouragement on commitment towards the goals of the team. Now, verse 3, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. You know, if you're going to be great at anything, and it wouldn't matter what sport we would take, it wouldn't matter if we were talking about uh, being a driver of a car, it wouldn't matter whether we're talking about basketball or baseball or football or sewing, it makes no difference what you're talking about as far as greatness. You generally have to go through a period of time of stretching and growing afflictions, things that can shake you up a little bit. You're not instantaneously good. You may have remembered when you first learned how to drive. Isn't it interesting how how when you begin to drive an automobile that your first thought is, I'm never going on the freeway ever. I can take surface streets all the way to downtown, no problem. Why? Because you lack the necessary skills, the spatial awareness, and the ability to drive that quickly and do those things in such rapid fashion that it is frightening to think of being in that real-time situation where at freeway speed, some person is going to cut you off. You, You may not know what to do quickly enough. The same is true in the sports world, and we'll use our metaphor, the Super Bowl, for the remainder of our time together. You see, to be good at anything, you absolutely have to know you're going to pay a price to get good at it. There will be affliction. There will be trial. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be practices. And you're not going to like some of the things that are going to happen in practice. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Look, it goes with the territory. There's no way around it. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation. If you want to be great in the kingdom, it's going to take effort, and that effort at time is going to be painful. You're going to go through stuff that you're going to look back on it and go, I'm sure glad I went through that, but boy, I don't want to do that again. Tribulation, trial, affliction, suffering. And just as it happened, and you know. And so these committed Thessalonians that that knew what the mission looked like, but they weren't quite sure how to get there, Paul is going to send Timothy to kind of speak to them in a team meeting. Did you realize we were in a team meeting this morning? We're in a team meeting this morning. We're all part of the body of Christ. We're on the same team. You see, you're born onto the other team you automatically are dead in your trespasses and sins. And so in that sense, you played for the devil at some point in time. You may have not known that. Maybe if you're here this morning, you're hearing this for the first time. You see, you get to actually pick which team you want to be on. But once you're on that team, you need to start practicing with the team. need to know where the team's going to go, what the team's goals are, what the team's objectives are. And in order to get there, there are things that we need to do as a team. And they're going to require everyone's effort because we are better together than we are as individuals. When you look at the Super Bowl, there's going to be 11 men out on the field on each team. Amen? What happens if you don't have an offensive line? 
How many passes do you think either Tom Brady or Matt Ryan are going to be able to throw if the offensive line decides, well, we're kind of tired? You know, this is tough. We're big men. I'm six foot eight, I'm 385 pounds. I don't feel like blocking anymore. But what happens if he doesn't have somebody to throw the ball to? What if those receivers decide, well, you know, I mean, it's a long ways down the field. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think I want to run this route. You see, the team does not move forward down the field unless they play together. Amen? It takes cooperation. It cannot be that we are in competition one with another. We must be cooperating with one another. And each one of us has to take up our position on the field and put 100% into it. Otherwise, we won't go anywhere together. We'll end up being each other's enemies instead of each other's teammates. And so that is in view here in this passage. Timothy is going to be sent some 300 plus miles to the north, 360 probably, on foot. You talk about commitment, he's got commitment to the team. And so what does that look like? Timothy's commitment, your commitment, my commitment, our commitment is multifaceted. And the first thing that we see is that we need to be ready to establish and to encourage. Two very simple words. We, we all need at times to be comforted. We all need at times affirmation. We all need strengthening. We all need to know whether we did what we did well or whether we could use some improvement. These are areas that much like on a football team, we as the body of Christ must be engaged in establishing other believers and encouraging other believers. This is one of the beauties of having veterans on your team, amen? When you have veterans on any team, and we'll keep it in the football analogy, when you have a veteran who's been in the Super Bowl before, when you have a veteran who stood in that pocket and watched the defensive backs on a blitz come around the ends, he knows that he needs to step up into the pocket before he's going to throw that pass. If he continues to retreat, they're going to get him. He knows that because he's been there. And so in the locker room, he can remind those defensive ends, look, they're going to get around you. Don't worry, I'm going to step up into the pocket. You collapse back and cover the sides of the pocket. That happens because there has been experience that is now brought to bear in that specific analogy. The same is true for you in the body of Christ. You have all been through things that other believers may have not been through yet. And you know that it's not going to be the end of the world, and it is your job to encourage them. Look, hang in there. Stay in the pocket. We got this. We're in it together. You don't need to try and outrun the whole defensive backfield when they blitz. You let us handle them. You stay in the pocket. We need to be encouragers to that end establishers to that end. We need to get people engaged in understanding what God has for us as a group, as a whole, one might say as a team. The word that's used here to establish, the Greek word storizo, 
is actually a multifaceted word. And in one level of it, it means to set as in a broken bone. In other words, there's been an injury that's happened and you come along and you support that. You splint it. You say, look, you need to do this or you're going to get hurt again. Let me help you fix that situation, fix that problem. When you establish somebody, you are both fixing things that have happened in the past that are wrong and you're preparing them to withstand those things in a future sense so that they don't get the same injury again. We as the body of Christ need to realize the value that we have towards each other and for each other because we can't go it alone. As great as these two quarterbacks are that are going to play in this game this afternoon, massive amounts of offense. It's going to be a shootout. It'll be a show for sure. But you know what? They need the whole team in order to make that happen. We need the whole team in order to make the body of Christ push forward. What that means is a commitment to stability. Timothy, in this sense, was committed to using the Word of God to stabilize the Thessalonian church. Now, we can look at it this way. We need to to build up that stability by using the Word of God. You see, we have actually a team manual. We have a playbook. It's called God's Word. And here's what happens. You see, if, if those quarterbacks today line up and they're in the pocket and they're ready to throw the pass, but that running back comes out of the backfield and instead of getting his blocking assignment, decides that he wants to get free so he can catch the ball, the quarterback's going to get sacked. Amen? That's what's going to happen. The same is also true in a different way as those defensive backs are back there in the backfield, they all of a sudden decide, well, you know, he's run too far. I don't think I'm going to cover him down the field. Then the play is going to be uncontested. It's going to be a touchdown. You see, it takes teamwork. It takes coordination. It takes sticking to the playbook. Everybody's got an assignment, and we need to pick up our assignment and do it well. I can't decide that, well, I don't feel like blocking on this play. I can't decide, well, I don't really like running that route. I'm going to run this route. It's going to produce a bad result. Timothy was there to make them strong in their faith. They were to trust the coach in that sense. You have to know what the playbook says. So you encourage younger believers, look, this is, you're here, you're new in faith. Let me encourage you. God, in fact, does have a plan and a purpose for your life. Right now, it seems like all you're ever going to get to do is practice and then go sit on the bench. You'll get in the game. Hang in there. It stabilizes when we stick to the playbook. I was reading a little article on Tom Brady. Tom Brady has over 200 plays memorized. And he knows, you know, it's, Red 15, blue right on two. You know, it's just this crazy jargon that a quarterback knows, but the rest of the team knows what that means. You you see, when we have stability, when the quarterback's calling the plays and the team knows what those plays are, when we understand the Word of God and God tells us what to do, we're all going, oh, that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. God's already called that play. We're supposed to encourage. We're supposed to equip. We're supposed to establish and build up. 
And so in that sense, it is a commitment to encourage. Now here's what happens on any great team. We, we call those teams that win habitually dynasties, right? Those are those teams which just seem, it's like the Patriots. I told you this was going to happen. Okay? So don't, you know, don't dismiss my football knowledge. I said it was only a matter of who the Patriots were going to play. It's a matter of who the Patriots are going to play. Why? They're a dynasty. They're ridiculous. Nobody knows. I don't even know why. I just know when I watch it's like, well, they're going to beat that team too. But they did not get there on their own, and they did not get there overnight. And you know what's happened? They've brought a whole bunch of other players along, and they've raised them up so that when someone goes down, guess what happens? There's someone on the sidelines to take that person's place. And it is always at this time of the season when what you see is there's one guy that steps up, and somebody gets hurt, somebody gets knocked down, they step in, they make the one catch that seals the game. What's happened is they have invested by encouraging the growth of other people to be ready to go in at such a time as they are needed. For the most part, those people are on the sidelines. For the most part, they rarely get into the game, but they are absolutely essential to a dynasty. You, as the body of Christ, are essential to the dynasty, the kingdom of God. I can't tell you when God's going to call you into a certain specific situation, but I can tell you this, you matter. And my job, our goal as believers are to encourage and to equip each other so that we're ready when our number gets called. You you see, if we're not investing in the next generation, then here's what happens. In every church, all of a sudden, the worship team's coming out with walkers. It's like, I think I can make it to the keyboards. And then pretty soon, we've got a one-piece band up here. We need to invest in the next generation. The same is true in the pastoral staff. We need to have men like we had this week when Pastor D I'm not, Rob, I wish I could, I have done everything I can. I am not well enough to teach. Dennis was ready like that to step in and teach. Why? Because we're investing, we're encouraging, we're using, we're saying, look, it's your turn, you're in. We need to have that in view, family of God. We must be ready to encourage And sometimes, you know what? You're going to bump into people. They don't want to be encouraged. They don't want to be built up. They may be mad. They may be angry. They may be hurt. We still need to invest. You know, sometimes when people haven't been in the game, they're they're kind of a little bit upset about it. You still need to encourage and equip. Make sure that you're doing your part And that means that we have a commitment to the faith or to our own faith or to the faith that we share collectively. The word here concerning, when you look at it in the original language, it actually means on behalf of. In other words, on behalf of the playbook, on behalf of the coach. Our faith is in God, amen? Our faith is not in church. Our faith is not in Calvary Chapel. Our faith is not in Pastor Jeff. Our faith is in God alone. Amen? Through Christ alone, 
We have faith that saves us, that gives us His grace. You see, that's God at work. We need to increase people's trust in God. You see, one of the things that you can't do on, on any level of sports is have two coaches. You've got to have one head coach, and that coach has to call the shots. Amen? Otherwise, you got over here, you've got the defensive coach, and over here, you've got the offensive coach, and you've got the linebacker coach, and you've got all these coaches. Somebody has to be the coach. At the end of the day, that coach is responsible for how the game is played. It will be very much in view today in the Super Bowl. Now the assistant coaches may get some direction from the head coach. And maybe they'll make the interim call to what's going to happen, but it still came from the head coach. In very much the same way, our faith is like that. I have faith that God knows exactly what he's doing. And God has given us a playbook, and it's 100% accurate. He did not mess up in authoring his word. That's why that Romans ten seventeen passage is so important. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Coach brings us in the meeting. He speaks the word to us. Boom, we got it. We're going to go with that, coach. You see, we want to have commitment to faith, to trust that God's got it. Look, we haven't made all the plays yet. You know, one of the crazy things, and again, it doesn't really matter what sport you're talking about. You know, one of the hardest things to do, and I can tell you as a coach, in coaching, one of the hardest things to do is to come up with a game plan, and when things are not going exactly as you had hoped, to stick with the plan. Because your natural inclination is, well, we better adjust, we better do this, we need to do that. You start to adjust on the fly, and before you know it, you've lost sight of the plan. It very rarely works out very well. Absolutely true with God's Word. You need to stick to the game plan. He's given us clear instruction on how we're to live our life. What faith working out through us actually looks like. This deep commitment should do to us and through us. And so when we stick to that plan, we're all in the same playbook, and so cumulatively we can accomplish things that we could not accomplish as individuals. We stick to the plan. It's a beautiful picture of how we are to live our lives. And ultimately, here's what happens. It means commitment to being unshaken. You know, there are times in football, anybody else cringe sometimes when some of these players get hit? I still cringe. I watch, and I'm like, oh my, he's not getting up from that. You know why? Because you don't have eyes in the back of your head. Oh, those players are running at full speed. They're going the opposite direction. They don't see that the middle linebacker and the outside linebacker have their eyes on the same guy. I, I can tell you this. Sometimes you're about to get a devil and demon sandwich. Demon's got an eye on you, devil's got an eye in you, and you're running, you don't see either one of them. And boom, you get hit. And you are splayed out on the field of life going, what train ran over me? You're seeing birds, you're seeing bells, your world is swirling. You know what you need in a time like that? You need the staff to come over and make sure first that you ain't dead. 
And then to say, look, we're going to bring you over to the sidelines. We're going to give you a little bit of care. And then we're going to put you right back in the game. You see, the enemy wants you to get hit and then stay down. The enemy wants to take you out of the game. And so he doesn't play fair. He, he wants to shake you up. He, he wants you to be so shaken up that you quit. Part of our goal is to help people be unshaken. To, to take those afflictions, to take those things that happen to us and say, you know what? I had that happen to me and I thought I was going to die too. And you come along and you encourage that brother. You encourage that sister. Go, look, I took one of those. I was down for the... I didn't think I'd get back up either. But here I am. You see the... Veteran players do that. They see somebody get knocked down, they come over, they make sure they're okay, and say, come on, man, let me help you back to the sidelines. Let's get your head cleared up. And then, oh, by the way, the next play is yours. Why is that important for us? Because if every time you get knocked down, you stay down, we're going nowhere. We need each other to get back up and fight on. We got to get back in the game and get back out there. And instead of letting the enemy put a world of hurt on you, you go put a world of hurt on him. That's what happens on the football field. You see one of your own go down. Isn't it amazing how the next play, like three guys from the defensive back, okay, we got your number. And all of a sudden, there's this kind of weird blocking play that happens. And then before you know it, the guy that's not supposed to be hit somehow gets hit. What is that? That's a team saying, look, you can't do that to one of ours. We're going to teach you a lesson. As the church, we need to start teaching the devil a lesson every once in a while. We're not going down. We're not going to be shaken. Doesn't mean you're not going to get knocked down. It means you're not going to stay down. You're going to say, look, part of playing a game. You're going to get me. I'm going to get you. Get a little righteous indignation going on inside of there someplace. It means being unshaken. You see, for the church at Thessalonica, look, they had a rough, they had a rough life. I mean, the best barbecue in town was at the Temple of Diana. I mean, they're up there, they're grilling all the fine meats. There's this little place outside of Denton, Texas. And they serve the best brisket, I think, on the planet. But when you look at it, you're like, man, I'm not sure that I would let my dog go in there and eat. But then you smell the smell from like a mile away. Like, yeah, I'm going in there, get some of that. That's the way it was at the Temple of Diana. They're grilling up all the sacrificial meats and all the Christians are wandering around and they're going down to kale world. They're getting their nice green shakes while they're smelling the barbecue. They wanted some of the barbecue. You got to let God work in your life in such a way that you can say no when you need to say no and yes when you need to say yes. That's being unshaken. It's like, I'm going to withstand. I don't care how that cornbread, I know that's like cake, but I'm going to let it go. 
almost lunchtime. You'll be okay. <laughs> you see, we need to be unshaken. Because people are going to try and talk you in, man. They're going to say, oh, it's really good stuff. It's okay, I'll have my kale shake. And finally, what that means is you're going to need to be committed to persevere. It's a long game. It's a long game. And we're in it to win it, amen? I don't know about you, I don't like losing. So just saying, it doesn't matter what, we could be curling and I'd still want to win. Doesn't matter. It could be any game. I don't like to lose. I'm one of those people. We need to have that kind of attitude with our Christian walks. I don't want to lose. I don't want to see another person perish. I don't want to see another family member go sideways. And so we need to be committed to persevere in that affliction. That means you're going to take some bumps and bruises. That's part of the plan of the will of God for your life. Notice what it says. It doesn't say you might have affliction. It says you will suffer affliction. You will suffer tribulation. You are going to hurt after the game. And again, it doesn't matter. But in our metaphor, in the football analogy... Uh, both sides are going to be in the training room taking ice baths and getting compresses and splinted up. You see them tomorrow, they're going to look like death warmed over. Except for Tom Brady. He never looks bad. (laughs) Guy could leave the field, put on a suit, and I don't know what. Nobody should be able to do that. Yeah, you're going to have some bumps and bruises and cuts and scratches. You're going to have to persevere through the pain. That's what it takes to win. Family of God, that's what it takes to be successful in the kingdom of God as well. You've got to persevere. You've got to hang in there. You've got to realize this all has a purpose. It has a meaning. You're not doing this just simply to see what you can endure you're doing it so that you can one day glory in it. My basketball playing days, I can't even tell you. If you look at my fingers, they're not right. You know why that is? Because they've been dislocated so many times and turned sideways that after a while you just snap them back into place. That's not the best thing in the world for your musculoskeletal structure. But you know what? It is a way to stay in the game. And yes, it hurts when your finger's going that way. It's not supposed to do that. But if you want to stay in the game, sometimes you've got to endure things like that. You, you see, for us, sometimes I think we want what God wants as long as it doesn't cost us anything. As long as it doesn't hurt at all. You know, everybody loves the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. God's going to make you rich and famous and somehow make you handsome or beautiful. It's going to change the outside, the inside, your circumstances, and everything. It's going to be peachy. Can you give you a little secret? That's balagna. 
don't know why they spell baloney that way, but that's... It's not true. Anybody that's walked with the Lord for a week realizes it isn't all going to be easy, amen? You're going to have some tribulation. You're going to go through some tough stuff. Here's the good news. He's overcome the world. Amen? You're on the winning team. So get in the game. Play hard. Endure that affliction as a good soldier. And know this. You've got an imperishable trophy waiting in heaven. Not one that's here on this earth that's going to get corroded. No matter how many times you polish that Lombardi trophy, eventually it's turning back to dust because it's made of the stuff of this earth. Your crown, your ring, you know, how many of these athletes wander around? It's like I, I saw the, the image of the Super Bowl ring for this year. That thing weighs like seven pounds. Who'd want that on your finger? It's like you make it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like it's totally useless. I can tell you what you can take to heaven with you. And that's some other people. And that's not going to ever perish. Amen? So let's get in the game. Let's fight hard. Let's be 100% committed because we're on the winning team. Amen? Amen. Would you stand? Let's pray together. If you're here today and, and perhaps you, you, you want to know what it's like to be on the right team, we have a team, a part of this team that's gathered together in the prayer room and they'd love to share the truth of the gospel with you. Or to my left, your right So if after service you need prayer for any reason, just go and be prayed for. If you need a Bible, we have those available. But I want to encourage you as the church, uh, we live in an unprecedented time of, I believe, impact for our Savior. Don't miss the opportunity that God's going to give you this week to get in the game because you're going to have an opportunity to get in. And so be ready. Be committed. And whatever it takes, do your part, and then let God use you. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. Lord, thank you that you would bring any of us onto your team. But, Lord, you have brought us all on by your grace. And we thank you, Jesus, that you love us with an undying love. But, Lord, you're proud of us as your team. And so, Lord, we thank you for, for using us in that wonderful way. Uh, of spreading the gospel. Pray that we'd be effective this week and ready. Or when you call our number, that we'd be ready to get in the game. And so, Lord, we bless you. We thank you for your goodness to us. And pray, Lord, that you would just make us ready. In Jesus' name, amen.